Welcome to the Countdown Podcast. Today we're going to do two reviews for you. One is Air, the other one is The Pope's Exorcist. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul, and I'm the guy who saw both films this week. Yeah, Wayne, however, there's been, some, there's been some problems, okay? There was a, some time management issues, some uh, personal failings, and general <laughs> issues like that type of thing. I didn't get to see Air. Yeah, I stand resolute, <laughs> motherfucker! And Paul will happily tell you why. <laughs> Wayne prioritized other activities, shall we say, <laughs> and then slept late. Anyway, uh, that's enough up. about that. Fucked Let's up. talk about air. I'll give you sort of a non, completely non-spoilery, though really this is a based on a true story film. It's pretty hard to spoil. You can just bounce it over, Paul. Go ahead. Air is a biographical sports drama directed by Ben Affleck from a screenplay written by Alex Convery or Convery. It stars Matt Damon, Ben Affleck himself, Jason Bateman, Marlon Wayans. Chris Messina, Chris Tucker, and he's returned to the screen what? for the Chris first Tucker's time in, in seven years, and Viola Davis. It has a 112-minute running time, a budget of between 70 and 90 million, and thus far has taken in 10.8 million off Friday, I believe, numbers. So doing okay for what is a, a mid-range kind of drama. Wayne doesn't know what it's about because he hasn't seen it, but basically... I can still make it up. <laughs> Basically, it is the account of how Michael Jordan was wooed to come to Nike when Nike was not a name brand or nowhere that anyone really wanted to go to. At I that can't stage. imagine a time where that was the and case. And they built this shoe, the Air Jordans, around him and it changed the way that athletes did deals with companies forevermore. Basically, that's it. Now, and I've heard a story, Paul, that Jordan actually doesn't appear in this film. This is correct. Jordan, right. Jordan appears as from behind and sometimes the sort of off to the side camera or he tilts his head mm-hmm. but you never see his face and he says one word for the entire film. Really? Yeah. Now, I'll get to that in a moment Go on. but basically the reception for this one is it has 92% positive off 224 critics reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and really? on Metacritic it has a lower as always score of 75 out of 100 based on 55 critics and then the audience is polled by cinema score giving this an A on the A plus to F scale. Well, so, Doing well with critics and audiences alike. But the reason we're all here, Paul, mm. is to hear what you think. Yeah, look, this is very well acted film. All right, so that's a good start. If you want to... look, It's basically people in boardrooms talking. I get it, I get it. People in meeting rooms talking. There's, there's no real action. There's some montages of the 80s-ness, and that's fun to establish the era. The soundtrack's really great. There's lots of songs from that era. That Brilliant. You, from everything from you... We, you we care a lot, sorry, by Faith No More, yeah. through other things. You is it 90s or 80s? 80s. 80s. Mid-80s, this all took So place. Jordan became big in the 80s? Because yeah. I always remember the this Bulls straight the out of, Straight yeah. out of college. And it basically follows Matt Damon's character, Sonny Ficaro. He's a talent scout, and mm-hmm. he notices Jordan, and he starts, even though Jordan has said he's going to Adidas. He loves Adidas. Adidas is the shoe that he wants to, to wear. Really? Or was it Reebok? Well, it was one of those two. So those are the big ones, Reebok. Man, Converse, remember Reebok? Yeah, and Adidas, which uh, European-owned company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Nike, who we know, given our age, as being a big shoe and the like. But yeah. this is really what put them on the map. They had a bugger-all budget, really, for this kind of thing and the area is led by Jason Bateman's character and Ben Affleck plays the the CEO of Nike Nike yep. who apparently plays him in terms of how the way he is he's a bit weird and off the wall he looks weird sometimes in- takes chances and other times doesn't so he's a bit unpredictable but yeah basically this is Matt Damon's film and that he's in just about every scene and he bounces off these other characters like Marlon Wayne's in this for like two seconds so I don't know why he's got fourth billing but he's barely in it. But What's he doing? Most, uh, he is a bit of a mentor figure who okay. happens to know Jordan as well. 
Marlon Wayans. Yeah. Okay. Not in real life. I'm talking no, no, the no, character. No, but I mean like this. Okay. All right. And then yeah, so Chris Messina is playing Jordan's agent. Right. So most of the talking goes through him until Viola Davis is playing Jordan's mum. She comes into the picture. Now I hear that was the big get for them. Yeah. Apparently Jordan said to Ben Affleck, mm. I really want Viola Davis to play my mum. She's yeah. the closest thing that could come to her grace and power and all the rest of that. And so Ben Affleck said, I would love for Viola Davis to play your mum. And when they approached and managed to make the deal happen. And so mm. that was, their, as you say, their, their big get yeah. in, in the cast. And look, it just goes from there. There's, there's some funny bits. There's some good lines. Not Alan Sorkin level dialogue. Sure. But it's, it's sort of elevated and fast talking to a point. And as a, as a basketball proponent from yesteryear, Paul... Does this offer something for you? Like we, even I like basketball, even though I don't know shit about sports. And in the nineties, you know, the Bulls, all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I love all of that. Is this now? Is does this present a specifically special thing for you, interest level wise? Well, I was interested, but the bottom line is, I'm a basketball fan. I'm not as big a basketball fan as I used to be. I don't spend the time watching it that I used to back in the. No Dizet, one does. The nineties, Detroit Pistons were my team, so I was kind of in the opposite side. Yeah, of, Paul like Dennis Rodman, everyone. I did. He was. <laughs> <laughs> Before he went all strange, over to the Bulls, where he got even stranger still. But yes. in his early days at Detroit, he was a hell of a rebounder. So I was full on into it a little bit after this year. So Jordan was an established superstar by the yes, time I got into definitely. into basketball. But nevertheless, this is basically about shoes. Here's the thing, though, right? Because I, I get this. Like, There's a movie in my top 10 last 10 that's kind of on this level, but not the same. But the idea that like uh, you're doing a shoes movie... Not a sports movie or mm-hmm. a sports movie that's about executives. You know what I mean? Like, like, what the hell? Why would you do that? So this becomes a business tale, right? Am I yeah, right? Yeah, it is. Okay. And that intrigues the shit out of me because it's always like interesting to me for, you know, just the way I, I bet I'm you I know what the movie it is that you were talking about. I, I bet you. I've got half an hour to go on it. Uh, <laughs> I almost had it on my list. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, it's very simple. It's a very interesting decision. I've seen a couple of people criticize it online saying, why are we following the business executives behind the artists, behind the creators, behind the athletes? We, because that's a story too. Shouldn't we be showing? the athletes and is, aren't we taking away from them and I have to agree in this film Jordan's lack of presence really hurts it does it for me it does like it's awkward that he's in a boardroom he's refusing to speak now maybe that's actually what happened but it's all the mum doing the talking with the executives and whatever else and Jordan's just sitting in there with a the cock of his head showing he's not really into it do we know what that's about Paul that when you go writing this movie and you decide to make Michael well, Jordan Jordan's larger than life right so I so think the, the rationale was we can't have someone who doesn't look like Jordan playing Jordan. So they purposely did, they didn't have to write him out, do you think? No, no. Like this was the decision they made decision. early on. I believe in the script. Maybe Ben Affleck got in there and, and the producers got in there and, who, and Affleck and Damon are both producers on this yeah, film yeah, yeah. and said this is the way to go. For me, it, it, it was awkward. Do you know that that's how Entourage was conceived? Right. Entourage wasn't going to have Vince in it at all. Uh-huh. He was going to always be off screen or never say a word. And it was all about the, the Entourage that actually talked about okay. this nameless, faceless star. But then they said, actually, that sucks. And they put him in. So maybe they should have done that here. <laughs> yeah, look, that's my personal preference. Yeah. It doesn't change the fact that the performance is good. Jason Bateman's still Jason Bateman. Let me be very, very clear. He's I do too. not think this man has a range whatsoever. <laughs> ever. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Once again, he's playing the same kind of deadpanny, jokey, kind of very unemotional guy who says some emotional things, but I don't believe a single one of them. He gets so much work, Paul. I know. He's Teen Wolf 2. He gets so much work. <laughs> then there was that, that whole period where he was He doesn't get so much work movie. because of Teen Wolf 2. Can we be clear? Yeah, it might be like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, maybe it's just easy to play off him. It's like, we'll just put Jason Bateman Yeah, but this is Matt Damon's film and, and he is very good. And the scenes, it's good seeing him and Affleck together sort of bouncing off one another. Yeah, they, have, yeah. they have quite a few, three, four scenes in the film where it's him trying to convince the CEO of Nike to, to go a certain way mm-hmm. and, and the like. Mm-hmm. And, and really, if you believe this film, if not for this sunny guy, Jordan's deal would never have happened. Yeah. And he wouldn't. Ne- this whole thing wouldn't have changed if not for him. He, he does some outlandishly uh, things you shouldn't do in that era. Really? To get make this deal sort of happen. Nothing illegal, just it goes against the grain. It goes yeah, against yeah. what's acceptable. That's, so. that's interesting. Now, let me ask you this. Something that I remember about the 90s, which I guess was after this time, mm-hmm. uh, was the Nike marketing campaigns. Remember that that that, beat, that like, dream I move like Mike? That shit, yep. right? Like Is Mike, there any of that shit in there? I'm like, nah. Damn Because no, it's all at the start. <laughs> it's all the start. It's yeah, just Darren. getting him to sign on the dotted line. Ah, uh, okay. And okay. what it, what it will take, and what how that all. And again, you know the way this ends. We know Air Jordan's a part of Nike, so it's pretty hard to spoil this movie. It's uh-huh. just the the uh-huh. getting there that's the interest. And for me, this is the problem. It's not that interesting. It's not that interesting sounding. It's not that interesting to watch. It's a good film. It's well made, and all the rest of it. But the this universal love for it for me just is so is it doing perplexing. well? Yeah. Well, I mean, ten million seems to be. On a seventy to ninety million dollar film, it's got to make theoretically then a hundred. I've seen a lot of advertising around it, but I would imagine it's going to take somewhere in the order of one hundred and fifty, maybe a little bit more, to break bank or make his money back. So you you like it? You don't need to see this on the big screen. Okay, you just don't. Oh no, no, it's a, it's there's a, it's no, a drama. There's nothing it's a drama. about this film that says quick get out to the cinemas and see it as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can watch this at any point in time and appreciate it probably at the same level because it's just about the performances and you don't need to see towering. Towering big Matt Damon doing that. No. And and so would you... S- funny oh, enough. Funny enough? Funny enough. You know. Entertaining enough, more importantly. Yes, but I felt the runtime at 112 minutes. Jesus. Why isn't anyone making like a, just a 90-minute fun thing anymore? Never. never almost again. almost never. That is correct. So there you go. That's my review of, of Air. I'm going to give it a score now. Don't hit me. So, and I'm going with uh, 58. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. It's passable, three stars, low three stars, but I don't get the, the universal love for it and, and everything else. It's a film about shoes and a contract being done for shoes. So, yay. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I suspect I would like it more, but uh, we'll only know when I see it. All right, nice one. Moving on then to our second review in The Pope's Exorcist, one which Wayne did have I time did actually see in this his one. Busy, busy schedule to see. <laughs> this one is a... Supernatural horror film directed by Julius Avery, he who directed Overlord from a few years back. And then I haven't seen it, but the Sylvester Stallone vehicle on Amazon Prime, Samaritan. Oh, I have seen that. Is this guy an Aussie? He is an Aussie. Yeah, all right. There he you go. He is indeed. Screenplay is by Michael Petroni and Evan Spilatopoulos. Brilliant. That'll do. Based on the story by Michael Petroni, R. Dean McCreary and Chester Hastings. It stars Russie Crowe Russ. as the real-life exorcist, Father Gabriel Amorth. Amorth. i got to try and remember that one. <laughs> it also stars Daniel Zavado, Alex Esso, and Franco Nero, probably the only other name that you would recognize. Enter uh, the ninja. <laughs> <laughs> it has a runtime closer to 90 minutes of 103 minutes. Thankfully. And no word yet on what kind of money it's taking because we're too close to its release to get any of that. Wayne, what is the Pope's Exorcist about? Okay, so literally, Father Gabriel Amorth is a real cracker who apparently is the uh, is the official exorcist priest of the Vatican. It says, it says here that he performed more than 100,000 exorcisms in his time. That's, How can that be? That is more 
women than Wilt oh, the Stilt Chamberlain exactly. slept with per day of his playing career. It can't be 100,000. It must be 10. I think someone's hit an extra zero here. I don't know. Anyway, let's see that happens. Now, this film here is essentially about one particular exorcism that he puts uh, that he, he has to encounter, which involves this sort of young family, a mom and her two kids, and they move into this house, which is in Spain. And the house is something they they you know they they they're not well to do or anything. They had to, they they inherit this house. Turns out it's over. Well, I'll just say this: the shit got haunted. Okay, <laughs> and then her son, who's a young like he's like whatever, what ten? I don't yeah, know, ish. ten ish. He gets possessed like a motherfucker. And shit goes real south, and it's a real bad thing. And the Pope himself goes, we get problems from this area here. I need you to go down there and deal with it. And that's what he does. Mm. And so Father Amoth, Amoth yep. gets on his Vesper and apparently rides across most of continental Europe in a day. Yeah, we don't. We, I think what happened is he put that thing on a plane and then... But they don't show that. No, they don't. And so it just, kept reads, it just plays really oddly. Not the first and only moment of this film that does play oddly. <laughs> I will add now very early reviews here. Rotten Tomatoes is the only thing that's reported on the Wikipedia page at time of recording. 63% of 16 critics giving the film a positive review with an average score of 5.5 out of 10. I'm not sure how 63% of 16 critics give positive. You need 60% more to be positive and you only get an average score of 5.5. But here we are. So, Wayne, what did you think? We know how much you love the horror film. Which I, like an idiot, did not know Now, this is pretty before. funny. Yes, I'm sitting there so, in the theatre. Wayne goes, hey, we got an invite to this one, Van Scream. And so, once again, we'd like to thank Sony. Yes, Kathy Sharp Kathy and Sharp Sony. for the invite to much. this one. Thank you very, very much for that. And you're like, do you want to do this one? And I'm like, sure. I know The Pope's Exodus is a horror film. I was an idiot. Wayne's offering to go and see a horror film. I'm not going to draw attention to this. Yes, clever. Because we did clever. have another option. We could have gone and seen Super Mario Bros. And we opted not to do that, though that may be next week's review. Yep. Watch this space. Anyway. Heart. <laughs> <laughs> so the screening Super Mario Bros. are happening at the same time and the cinema was packed and people were dressed up and they were going to that. And this was a much more sedate affair and a bit more serious and, so. and the like and far less attended. And Okay, well, this is what happens. No one cosplaying as a priest, no for one example. Was no one <laughs> as a fat, fat, Russie Crow yes, priest. Yes, Although... Is it me or is it that he's lost a bit of weight? Or no, is he's it wearing black. He's wearing a tunic. Yeah, yeah there you go. Okay. Right, yeah, he's wearing a very loose-fitting yeah, tunic. Yeah. <laughs> Wayne is sitting in there and then I idiotically, because I'm, I'm waiting for this film to start, <laughs> hoping Wayne's not going to realise. And then there's this there's this QR code on the screen saying, hey, do this on your TikTok yep. to get a sense. Anyway, the TikTok, when you put the camera on someone with that code, it makes them all like... Makes them demonically. Demonically, look. yes. And, and I'm like... so <laughs> Wayne goes, is this a fucking horror film? <laughs> See, here's the thing, though, right? I like to be like and this. My thing. night was made. Yeah, Paul's like, <laughs> "Fucking yes," and I was like, "Mendoza." So, like, here's the thing, right? I like to often just walk into a movie not knowing anything, and then I'm completely surprised, but not in this way. So, anyway, that aside, I will tell you that we were told by Kathy, in fact, that it's more a thriller than a horror, and I guess I kind of agree. I still think it's no. definitely a horror. No, I disagree. Really? I disagree entirely. It tries to be a horror film. It fails dismally. Well, here's the thing, because like, you're, you're cut off for horror and, and mine obviously different, yeah. but even even um, uh, uh, feelings of dread and that kind of thing, that, that's to me horror how, as well. well but, but what, how many times did you feel dread in this film? How many times were you shocked times? or scared? A couple times. Well, okay. not scared, but like... Um, like oh, fucking hell. Well, not jump scared either, but more like, oh. Unsettled? Yes. Okay, so you, you did get there unsettled? Sure, sure I did. I mean, you're obviously sitting there just fucking laughing. But By like, the end of this film, I literally was bursting out laughing in inappropriate places because... Yeah, Paul does that though. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this film doesn't want you to burst out laughing. 
This film, here is the quintessential problem with the Pope Plexicist. Let's hear it. It says at the very start, based on a true story, we've talked about Father Amoth and the fact that he did apparently 10,000 or whatever it was, 100,000 exorcisms, and he's written some 20 novels about this shit. This one is based on two of his memoirs, An Exorcist Tells His Story, and An Exorcist Colon, More Stories. Well done, Father Amoth. Obviously, (laughs) title's not your forte. He was writing Italian. We don't know how it translates. Go on. But then if you have a film that's based on a true story, a la, again, The Exorcist, which is the granddaddy of them all, the absolute is that ex- exorcism film, yeah. Oh, okay. I believe so, anyway. Mm. Uh, an exorcist film, which all other exorcism films, all the possession films try to be. Right. That film, even though it has green vomit going everywhere and heads turning 360 and whatever, is mostly a pretty grounded horror film. Mostly... It's stuff that you can kind of imagine potentially happening other than the two things I just sort of spoke about. Right. This film just goes, don't give a fuck. Let's just do everything we humanly can and pretend like this is a real story. All right. So I take it then this is highly fictionalized? No, no, I'm saying they're trying to tell you or Father Armoth is trying to tell you basically this shit happened. Now, I'm sure there's some poetic license and the Catholic Church have already jumped up and said, hey, this is entertainment. It doesn't go that far. These things depicted in here didn't really happen. We can't ask the father because he died seven years ago. So, All right. Well, let me ask you this then. Given that you are making a horror-esque movie about the exorcism, do you not owe it to your audience to dramatize things in a way that entertains them? Yeah, but I have to wait for spoilers to talk <laughs> okay. about how okay. stupidly over the top this film goes. Okay. How like, And i got to say, what's revealed to be happening, because Kathy said it gets a bit kind of Da Vinci Code. Yes, which and, I would agree with. And it, it does. It goes through this whole thing. Which and, is interesting. Well, it's, <laughs> a, it's a direction. I'll give it that. Okay. But when it's all revealed what's happening, I'm like, this is, might be the dumbest plan in the history of humankind. As in the original Which plan. is okay because it's a demon's plan. Oh, I see what you mean. It okay, is all right. so stupid. All right, yes. So, so there, yes, so, there's my big problems with the film. All right, so to answer your question. Not scary, not unsettling, just laughably funny. Russell Crowe, however, gets it. He gets what kind of film he's in. And if not for him, this would absolutely be the worst mainstream horror film released in as long as I can remember. Thankfully, Russell Crowe gets it. He's eminently watchable. Unbelievably, his accent's very good throughout yeah. and consistent throughout the oh, whole Russell film. Russell Crowe's a good actor, man. He is a good actor, but like, it's, he's too good for this shit. Even where he is now in his career, he's too good for this shit. Okay, good to hear. Good to hear. Because I, I uh, actually, here's what I think, right? I agree that Russell Crowe makes this film. And he's definitely the guy who... Like, we wouldn't have seen it otherwise, right? Like, I definitely wouldn't have. I guess um, that's what got you in. Absolutely. when's Russie doing a horror film. Absolutely. And that's why I didn't think it was... I was like, Russell doesn't do <laughs> horror films. What the hell? So he does this. I'm looking at him with his, with his just convincing Italian accent and so on. But him injecting a, 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 a level of, well, frankly, cheerfulness into that character, right? With his like, cool, cool, cool. And he's just making fun of people. And you know, he's just giving shit. And he's sort of funny. And he's got a way about him. That's watchable. And frankly, that's what I need from a leading man watchability, entertain me, make me go, uh-huh, or whatever, right? As a result, I actually quite liked it. Can you believe that? What? Yeah, I'm like, eh, this is all right. This isn't so bad. You know, bit of stuff going on. I didn't expect it to go as far as it did in terms of, hey, this happened during a possession. But perhaps that's the difference, Paul. You, who are a stalwart fan of things like this, yep. go, well, it's supposed to be this way. Whereas I'm going, well, that was unexpected. There you go. So um, for me, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. <laughs> It wasn't like amazing. It's a horror film, for Christ's sake. But 
you know. Well, you're obviously going to give it a higher score than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm happy to be critical about this because I'm just like, oh my god, what are they doing? It's the same as I'm harsher on comedies than you, and you're harsher on horror movies than me. Yeah. That's just how it is. Yeah, I guess. I guess that makes some it's our sense. Look, I mean, really, that's got the sense of what I think about it. Yeah. You really like Russell Crowe that much that you were pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And guess because you don't want to be terrified in a horror film. Exactly. So there's your, there's my point. Cross purposes, people. It's not terrifying. It's not scary. It's just silly. Yeah. But that's, to me, all horror films. So <laughs> <laughs> hit me with the spoiler button. Let's talk about it, Paulie. Let's do it. You can't handle the truth. And the truth is, apparently, demons in this particular universe, i.e. ours, because it's based on a true story, can do everything from manifest corporally and then explode in fountains of blood, uh. throw people around the room with a gesture of a head and drag people into a bed as if they're being sucked into hell and were it not for the handy aid of a hand coming to rescue them. Because it, it's not metaphorical. It's not happening in her head, which is what I would have expected. It actually no, no, happened. It was actually happening and barely anyone blinks an eye. Now, Let a, me ask you, Wayne. What Paul's telling you about, everyone, is there's a scene where the 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 mum the mum is in her bed and the bed literally just folds in and swallows her. Yep. And she's she, dragged down by this sort of big arm. Big arm that goes down and into the mattress yep. and into b- nothing. And I'm thinking she's going to wake up tangled in covers and like this is a whole sort of right. part of the mental possession. But Except, in fact, that actually happened yes. and a priest came in to grab her and pull her out. Now, what would have happened if it didn't pull her out? Where, what happens when a bed folds like that, Wayne? What, what was the demon's plan? I'm dragging you into, what, to smother you in here? I imagine so. That's what I thought. It's just so fucking dumb. Well, th- now that I think about it, I can see how Paul would have an issue with this logistic like, sort of like scene. It's like, oh, I'm just going to pull you in here and smother you. Okay, and then how did you manage to make the bed manifest a hole in the... Yeah. You know, and, that- and then when they pull up, pull, it's still there. I mean, I don't know if we get another shot of the bed later on, but it's, no one remarks about this. No, no. one's like, oh my God, they, this demon has the power to literally drag people into hell. We better do something more serious about this. Well, that's sort of what the show's about, though, right? It's like you've got this sort of like political issue within the Vatican where the Pope right. actually believes it, but for oh, some good. reason the Pope Thank can't... You. Thank you for oh, reminding please me. go on. Please go on. <laughs> so we get an opening scene, of course you do, in 1986 where Father Amorth is, exercises... Well, we think he exercises by <laughs> demanding this demon jump into a pig and he has the pig's head blown off. Yes. Geyser of blood. Okay, this is a Julius Avery film. That makes sense. Uh, and then he says, no, that guy wasn't really possessed, but I had to give kind of this psychological reason for the demon to leave. Oh my God, all right, No, sure. I didn't mind that sure. because, because sure. he's actually saying, okay, well, let's root this in a little bit of, you know, because he, he talks and about it. They make a point of saying 98% of the, of the cases are medical or psychological in nature Which he and refers, refers them to hospital yep. and whatever else. What about the other 2%? Mm. That's good, I thought. Out of 100,000 cases, that's pretty scary. 2,000 cases 2000, yeah, were, were exactly. proper exorcists. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, point being, then he gets dragged before this council of elders who are not the Pope. The Pope is played by Frank and Nero, and Frank and Nero is, is presumably in Vatican City in Rome because he does go to visit him soon thereafter this scene. And he gets lambasted for what? I couldn't understand this. Okay, so and what? there's this one particularly young priest. I'm like, you're like 23 years old. How the fuck are you anyone superior yes. in the church? So what this scene was, was the scene in like in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation where Alec Baldwin was trying to shut down the IMF, even though they clearly did really great work. And he was the asshole heavy. In this scene, we have a bunch of priests, including one young motherfucker for no reason, who is also part of the New World Order, disparaging the good work that the exorcist priest did so that's them creating but it's stupid yes it's stupid (laughs) it literally goes nowhere we get one fucking scene later in the movie which again 
I'll come around to the demon's plan in just a moment. Go on. Where suddenly this priest who has gone against Father Amath and and challenged him and threatened him to be thrown out of whatever fucking class he is or not be a priest anymore, I don't know. And rightfully he just goes, whatever Father Gabriel just says, get fucked and, and wanders out. Right. He is targeted by the demon in some way because blood comes out of the statue of Jesus or whatever and he freaks out and falls to his knees. Going, oh! What? Now, I know what happened there. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, what's, obviously, the movie is depicting you that like, the, the evil is so strong that those connected to it, like the Pope, who wakes up from his bed going, what the fuck? And then like <laughs> this dude's like, you know, that's just their dramatization of, oh, shit. Obviously, it was a bit shit. Obviously, Thank you. Shit. I'm glad you're uh, acknowledging that. I do understand that. However, that was for our benefit. Meanwhile, Franco Nero, that whole thing should have been excised. Completely, no pun intended, uh. not exorcised, excised. <laughs> and Franco Nero, he's the Pope. This demon's plan turns out to be he's trying to infiltrate the church. By taking over and, and exorcising, or sorry, the possessing Pope's the Pope's exorcist. exorcist and then Russell coming Crow. back in and somehow sowing evil, which apparently it did once before back Starting the Spanish Inquisition. Here's the Da Vinci Code element. Yes. Okay, so it was much more successful back in the day. Wasn't quite sure how he got stopped, but seemingly the exorcist guy locked himself in a cage and somehow died in that cage to keep this thing locked away yes. beneath then, this yes. house slash church that the family have moved into. Right, and it was woken up because tradesmen Ex- were excavating yep. it and that sort of, yeah. So... <laughs> If you're going to infiltrate anything, I'm pretty sure you don't announce yourself to the rest of the fucking Vatican when you do so. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the at most- the same time that the Father Gabriel gets finally gets possessed, bloody the Pope is like, oh my god, I know what's going on. Well, the movie would have it's you so believe. <laughs> The movie would have you believe that somehow the demon knew that there was political unrest within the Vatican and possessing Russell Crowe would somehow be like, you know, enacting his plan to then get in there and he can what, repossess other people? I don't know. The the Pope knows. Yeah, this is the the work of the writer, I imagine. It's so poorly conceived. Also, (laughs) so you wake up, you're in beneath his house. Okay, I'll possess this little kid who comes down and sticks his head in the wrong place. All right, and that will bring the Pope's exorcist, and I'll be able to infiltrate, uh, possess him, and infiltrate back into the Vatican. At some point, people become fucking extras and flotsam. Just kill them. You have the power to fucking fling people around the room. The priest is there now; he's involved. I know you need to scare them enough to to call him. That all makes sense up until the point the priest arrives, and then he fucks around for half an hour. Now that is one thing that I will agree, because <laughs> at the very beginning, the, we, the the way you figure out that the boy is properly possessed, whatever, is that he flings he the flings Spanish the other, priest, yeah, the, oh, the, the Spanish priest, priest, yep, out of the room. Yep. He then goes on to not do anything that connected until way later on yes. in the movie. Right? And even more f- amusingly, once Father Gabriel arrives, the mum's reluctant to let him examine him. You've You've taken your kid for all the medical tests. There's nothing wrong with him medically. And you've seen a priest get flung across the entire fucking room and in breaking your cupboard or whatever it was, bookshelf. Why the fuck wouldn't you let him have a look? Yeah, she, well, she died. She didn't put up much of a fight. Well, right? still, like, sort of... what, what are you even questioning here? Well, not Dumb. everyone's as easy to, you know, sort of like, not Dumb. everyone is like, they, they're looking for a scientific explanation. Paul, I get it. It's your kid. The only looking... scary bit, this, the scary is the wrong word. The only effective moment in this film is the... Elder daughter, who's a bitch because she's an elder daughter. In yeah, the film. bitches be bitches. Uh, she, she keeps hearing this knocking, and yeah. she assumes it's the workmen who are working yep. on this place or whatever else, which continues through the film, and then reaches this crescendo where it, she runs and hides in the closet, and the knocking's all around her, and then suddenly she's attacked by clothes or some shit. I don't know. 
No, and then there's like claw marks on the wall yep. and shit. So it's got some kinetic kind of like energy. Well, we it. know it's corporeal because it can do all this other shit, like drag people into beds and, yes. and all that kind of thing. Yes. Uh, is there any chance though that as the as the as the exorcism went on, it grew in power? But then how did it fling the priest yeah, across the room yeah, that's immediately? The one thing. That's the one thing. Maybe it could only fling things at the very beginning, <laughs> and later on it could lift you up off the floor. Eventually. <laughs> Eventually, eventually, it attacks everyone and is hanging the young priest, and that's where he says, "Okay, come into me." You know, again, in a classic exorcism trope. Is that possess me instead of the child? <laughs> but at that point in time, kill everyone else, snap your fingers, do whatever. You managed to do everything else that you've wanted to up until that point in time. Let's let the family drive off. No worries. Well, that was the weird thing because then when Russell Crowe comes in after having seen that the priest can get flung out, and then the kid just goes, "Right," it's like, well, you're just sitting there in bed, but you can fling motherfuckers around, yep. just fling Russell around, why don't just you? Just wrap the sheet around the, the mean, priest head and threaten to hang him right now. <laughs> it's because he's so fat. Yeah. Anyway, um, I just thought this whole <laughs> film was fucking ridiculous. Okay, then, wait, wait. The one thing that you definitely had a shit with is that, towards the end of the film, the idea is, okay, so they've actually defeated this exorcism. What up? The Vatican's like, yo, oh, yeah, what up, on. dog? Use the Thank shit. You. And they actually put a number on it. They say there are literally 200 angels that fell to earth yes. and became demons like this. This one was whatever it was. This was yeah, and they said, there's another 199 cases. Do you motherfuckers want to be the fucking, you know, mod squad who takes these motherfuckers out? And then he's like, word, 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 boom. And I believe that is them trying to create a franchise yes. ball where there'll be and another then, one. And then they, they fist bump, or they may as well have fist bumped and in fist flames bump. outline their hand and envelop the screen. It's like, the God Squad will return. <laughs> God squad, it, didn't. God squad. it didn't, but still. <laughs> like, what the fuck? This film is never getting a sequel. Let's see how it does, Paul. Look, I don't really care because it's a horror film, but yeah, like I said, in the end, it's like how, you know, was I entertained given that it's a horror movie? Answer is yes. So for me, it's it's watchable. How's that? Yes, it doesn't make sense for the horror troops, but... Um, Nothing makes sense in this in this particular film, particularly the choice of director. It's so loud and bombastic and over the top, and that's not an exorcism movie. It's not even really a haunting movie. Hmm. So okay. it's odd. And like by the end, there's corporeal ghosts, whatever, from their history and their past and coming out and exploding around them all just because they held up their things and chanting unison. I'm like, well, why didn't you do that fucking earlier? Yeah, they, I, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, um, I'm just going to give you my score so you yeah, can go on. 60. Uh, it's way too high. And you? <laughs> Ludicrously high. Know that there's any point playing this round uh, now, since you've been shitting on it the whole time. <laughs> also, ever. <laughs> I I was all I walked out of there. Oh, you know, it's, it's a fail. It's a 43, 44. But the more I've talked about it today, it's not even that. I'll give this a 37. You got more angry. Okay. Yep. <laughs> the Pope's Exorcist it's is not absolute that bad, drivel. It's the worst thing I've seen at cinemas thus far oh my this God, year. It's, not that bad. it's even worse than Operation Ruse de Crap. Which was early in the season. I don't know, Paul. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's our review of The Pope's Exodus and my review of Air. What do you think? Have you seen these films? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let us know via email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com. On Twitter at The Countdown PC. You can like and follow the show through Podbean we host. And check out the website, thecountdownpodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been The Soundboard. This is the dumbest shit anyone ever said in the history yeah, of, and I don't yeah, think I'm accelerating here. Time! You can take your pick, but I'm talking about the Pope's Exodus script or Wayne's excuse for not seeing air. We'll catch you next time. See ya! See ya.